Dressed in a low-cut nightgown, the slim body of the brown-haired young woman stood silhouetted in the doorway of her home. She was wringing her hands and crying desperately. She seemed unconscious of the cold February night. Patrolmen Walter Norvell and Guy Rogers hurried up the steps of the eight-room framed cottage located on the outskirts of Harrisonburg, Virginia. Swinging the screen door open, she cried, Oh, please hurry! Something awful has happened! Inside the house, the two city patrolmen looked around. "'What's wrong, lady?' Rogers asked. "'We got the call over the radio to get here as fast as we could.' The woman didn't wait to answer them. She hurried on ahead of the two officers down the hallway to the room on her left. She stopped suddenly, then backed away from the doorway, horrified. She was pointing to the bathroom floor. "'In there,' she said. "'There is blood all over the room.' A moment later... Rogers and Norvell were by her side. In the center of the bathroom floor was a large pool of blood. The walls were also spattered with blood. Welcome back to Stop Reading That. That little bit that I just read to you is entitled The Unholy Crime of the Cheating Lovers, and it is from the December 1946 issue of a magazine called Uncensored Detective. I keep moving back in time with these little magazines. I started in 1955, then went on to 1950, and now we are at 1946. And this is reflected not just in the year that it was written, but also in the price. Because while the other two magazines would have run you a quarter, this would cost you 15 cents. So at the time, for the price that you could have gotten, say, an issue of Front Page Detective, you could have gotten an issue of Uncensored Detective and probably gotten yourself lunch. Now, Uncensored Detective appears to be aimed at the same audience that would have bought uh, Whisper and Front Page Detective, namely young men and boys. The difference being that while the other two delivered a fairly lurid product, Uncensored Detective promises that kind of thing and then really delivers a sort of conventional post-war true crime magazine. What I mean by that is the front cover of the magazine offers two stories. The aforementioned unholy crime of the cheating lovers, but also a story entitled The Mystery of the Nude Nymph. I don't know about you, but when I see those two names, or those two titles, I have a certain type of story in mind. But what Uncensored Detective actually delivers is fairly conventional murder stories. And something I find rather noteworthy about Uncensored Detective is that after promising those two stories, or after leading with those two stories, 
the first story in the magazine is entitled, It Has Happened Here. And what it has happened here is, is a story of XGI's wresting control of a small Tennessee town from corrupt officials. And I'll, I'll read part of it to you. It says, Recently a group of angered ex-servicemen banded together under the leadership of a politically ambitious ex-Navy officer and used armed force to overpower the local officials of Athens, Tennessee and make them political prisoners. The purpose of the revolt was to ensure a fair tabulation of the votes in an election in which XGI candidates ran for offices. When world-traveled Athens boys returned home from service, they became increasingly aware of the inadequacies of their local administration. They found it sadly lacking in comparison to others they had observed around the country. So full of ambition and the will to, to right the wrongs in their own backyard as they had just done on all over the world, they formed a GI Independent Party. They selected their candidates from the town's veterans and entered the... the and entered the state elections. They decided to offer some competition to the well-entrenched political machine headed by State Senator Paul Cantrell. The independents carried on a serious campaign and won over many of the machine's followers with their platform for clean, progressive government. The political machine soon found the veterans a real threat to their continuance in power and felt the very foundations of their organization begin to waver. Election day arrived and the desperate officials realized that unless drastic action was taken, their long-coveted political spoils were lost. The sheriff and his loyal deputies seized the ballot boxes and secreted them in the McMinn County Jail for safekeeping and impartial counting. The GI independents felt the integrity of the custodians of the ballot boxes was not all it should be and decided an equally drastic countermeasure was necessary. Now, something I find particularly interesting about this is not the story itself so much as the way, well, I guess, yeah, it's the editorial slant that the story has. I think that depending on which side of the political divide you are on, there is probably some group out there that if they were to get a bunch of guns together and perform some sort of direct action, provided that the whole thing resolved itself without anybody getting killed, you'd probably approve of that operation, depending on, like I said, which side of the political divide you're on and which group it is. So, you know, for me, for example, it was, uh, I supported the people who, were, who took part in the standoff at Bundy Ranch. Others would support the Black Panthers. You get the idea. But, in 1946, we've just gotten out of a war. And we're just about to get into another war, and the Cold War is about to begin. And Uncensored Detective takes a very different editorial perspective than what we might expect nowadays. The piece's author, Jerome James, has this to say. 
Despite the noble purpose for which these veterans rioted and threw the corrupt politicians out of office, legally they are guilty of leading an insurrection. The formation of an armed mob and inciting it to rebel against legally constituted authority is a threat to our democratic principles and the security of our government, regardless of whether the group is composed of veterans, farmers, laborites, etc. There are too many un-American groups at work in our midst today, breeding confusion and unrest among our citizens. They hope to provoke open revolution against our government, and the success of the Tennessee riot gives added impetus to their cause. The failure to prosecute and punish the perpetrators of this riot gives confidence to the leaders of these un-American groups. They feel a precedent for immunity has already been established, and should their coup fail, they would not be punished either. It is easy to incite a certain dissatisfied fringe of our population to revolt, under the guise of cleaning out the grafters or some other seemingly worthy crusade. However, once the first shot has been fired, the first martyr hanged, or even the first store window broken, a fearful toll of innocent victims are doomed before law and order can be restored. What I find funny is that when I first read the story, I did not expect the writer to come to that conclusion. Because we're so used to romanticizing the idea of rebellion that it's a little bit hard to imagine a time when it was frowned upon. Furthermore, this is a this is a magazine that comes out of the it comes out of New Jersey, so it's out of the sort of New York metropolitan area. And this is a story about a, a small town in Tennessee. The Civil War was not that long before this magazine came out. And furthermore, this was a time when if something happened in an isolated part of the country, you wouldn't hear about it right away. If this kind of thing was to happen in a small town in the United States nowadays, we would probably know about it as it happened, down to the second. So this article alone provides a rather interesting glimpse into another time. One that increasingly fewer and fewer of us were even alive to see. Now, fortunately for us, the rest of Uncensored Detective doesn't really try to maintain that high-minded tone. Aside from the unholy crime of the cheating lovers, we have the case of the gun-crazed wife killer. Uh, let's see, we have the I Helped Fleece the Suckers. That could be, uh, that's by somebody named uh, June it looks like June Kenton. We have something entitled Bloody Trail of the Chinese Army Murderer, which has a subhead. What secret mechanism in the Oriental mind caused a normal Chinese student to go berserk and commit murders for pride? So, oh, oh, and lest I forget, we have the uh, mystery of the nude nymph. Though, as I mentioned, I think that a lot of these titles, they seem more 
designed to get people to pick up the magazine and open it up and read it. Because once you get in and really start reading these stories, yeah, they're kind of sleazy. But it's nothing like what we had in, in uh, Whisper. And it's, I'd say it's probably even more tame than what we had in Front Page Detective. It's kind of trashy, but you're not going to find incest and things like that. And I don't really know for sure why that is. It just, that seems to be how they decided to edit the magazine. It's, it's just a little more conservative than the others. As for the review, I think that Uncensored Detective is a very interesting primary source document if you really want to get a feel for another time. Now, you could say that about the others. Uh, you, you know, because, okay, so Whisper, for example. Whisper is a, a girly magazine that, you know, kind of masquerades as something a little more high-minded, but it's really just kind of trashy entertainment. But obviously it's nothing like what would come out just a short time later with Playboy. That being said, I think you get a, a better glimpse into a different mindset with Uncensored Detective. For all of the kind of dirt and sleaze that you find in Uncensored Detective, there seems to be underlying the whole thing a uh, kind of sort of a moral lesson, if you will, kind of a a viewpoint that is being pushed on the reader. And I know that our entertainment nowadays does the same thing. It's just that, obviously, it is a different lesson than the one you're going to be hearing in 2018. And that's why, as a historical document, I think that Uncensored Detective is probably more interesting than the other two. It's a little bit less fun. I'll admit that. Because the crimes that it talks about are not quite as dirty, and the pictures aren't quite as fun but if you're looking at it just to see how people might have been thinking in the year after World War II, I think this is a pretty cool thing to look at and to just to just kind of get a get a feel for. Uh, it's shorter than the others. It's about it's about 50 pages. So, and a lot of that is ads, as with any other magazine you might pick up nowadays. So anyway, you know, I think that, like I said, it's a, it's an interesting historical document. I don't think you're really gonna learn a whole lot, but I don't think that that's really necessary. It's, it's more the tone than anything that's gonna kind of teach you something. So anyway, with that, you know, I took a couple days off um, just because I was busy and some stuff was going on. But I, uh, I hope to talk to you soon. I, you know, I think I'll probably do a review tomorrow. And I will be talking to you then.
All right, until then, I hope you have a great Saturday night and goodbye.